Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, episode 110. In this episode, we bring together a mix of content from CES 2013 in Las Vegas. Uh, this is our final episode covering CES, or the Consumer Electronics Show, as it was previously known. Uh, we cover content from uh, meeting with Samsung, AMD, LG, Panasonic, Empowered, and also with uh, New Zealand's own Ben Bodley uh, from company, uh, local company Technique. So that's it. Strap yourselves in. Let's get into it. Right now, uh, we're the company uh, Empowered, and I'm with the CEO and founder, Jacques-Philippe Pivaget. Okay. Now, uh, you've got an interesting little product here. This, this is something that comes in a very small package, but it folds out to a, um, a lantern that's solar-powered. Uh, tell us about the concept. That's correct. So our company's name is Empowered. Our first product is Lucy. She's a solar-powered light. She's small. She only weighs about four ounces, but her impact is huge and significant. She charges in four to six hours, provides six to 12 hours of lighting, can retain a charge for over two months, and is great for camping, for night lights, for, yeah. for emergency response. It and that's just in the developed world. Well, it, it, look, it looks great because very, very light, so easy to store if you want to have a couple of these uh, you know, stored away for, for sure. when, you, when you need them. And obviously the camping angle, really, sure. really cool for that. Sure. little hook on there so you can sure. hook them up on your, on your tent. But what's the other angle? You're talking about an opportunity here for this uh, in, in developing countries. Sure. So we just recently pivoted to starting to look at distribution and sales. We've sold about 5,000 so far. We actually got an order for 10,000 just yesterday. So things are picking up. Next, we want to crack into the retail space. We're speaking to a few retailers. And what we're going to do is a buy one, give one model. Right. What does that mean? That means when you go into the store and you buy a Lucy for $19.95, well, guess what? Someone in the developing world, one of the three billion people who is currently either completely off the grid or on the grid but can't afford it, will also get one. And for them, it's not just a nice-to-have, want, cool thing. It's a life changer. They're spending 7 to $20 a month just on gas for their kerosene lamps. They're nine times more likely to contract major pulmonary issues like lung cancer, asthma, and pneumonia from using these kerosene lamps. Violence against women and children. More than 50% greater likelihood when there's lack of lighting. It goes on and on, obviously, environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're very serious about that, and we believe that our model is a sustainable one. It's business-oriented with a conscience. The model of the future. Oh, it's 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 good to hear. Definitely. Uh, sure. So you're you're pricing this uh, US uh, twenty dollars, uh, basically. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Seems like the right right price point for the product. Uh, looks really really bright uh, compared to most sort of you know rechargeable or solar rechargeable sure. LED products that I've seen. Sure. How many bulbs are in there? So we have ten LEDs in there. Yeah, that's great. And that, it, that it emits really no well. heat, obviously, because it's LED. Great. So what's your website? Where do we find you online? Empowered. So that's M as in Mary. Power, P-O-W-E-R, the letter D. Empowered.com. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time, Jacques-Philippe. Thank you very much. Cheers. Pleasure to help. Right now, I'm with Ben Bodley of Technique, a New Zealand company, and you've been here at here at CES, making some connections and and having a look around the the show. Ben, tell us a little bit about your your business and and what you do. 
Oh, thanks, Paul. Yeah, no, we've um, this is our first time at CES. We're um, we're sort of out here, um, you know, meeting with meeting with our suppliers and uh, looking around at the trends that are happening in our industry. Um, yeah, we're 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 a small uh, business, eight people uh, located on the North Shore, and uh, we've been uh, specialising in building uh, high definition video cameras and designing those for the last three or four years. That's great. Now, you don't sell these directly, do you? You work with uh, bigger brands, and you guys are sort of, I guess, bringing some of that Kiwi ingenuity and, and innovation uh, into the sector, coming up with, you know, smart products so a vendor can quickly, uh, you know, get to market with a, a product in a particular space. One area you were talking about, for instance, is, uh, you know, Wi-Fi connectivity into cameras. I, I think uh, you, you also mentioned these uh, cameras that are becoming popular and in, in, in the likes of Russia and, and other countries for uh, in car recording, so when there's an accident or you know something happens on the on the road, that there's um, um, some coverage of that. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. We we um, we, we we work generally with a with a large brands or branding customers, and we we sort of perform the the uh, the glue in getting them a product to market. Um, and yeah, and that that sort of uh, encompasses working with them on what they want their product to look like, um, right through to the actual electronics and manufacturing, and then delivering it for them. Um, and yeah, we, we've got a, a, a pretty unique um, advantage there. We've sort of got a full solution, like you say. We've got the Wi-Fi connectivity, got the smartphone applications, and and um, we, we link it in with often with a customer's brand, so that they can actually, you know, in the intro, uh, share their videos easily to Facebook or or, or YouTube. That's great. Yeah, I, I, you know, when we look at look at the market today, there's uh, there's so much competition. It's all about getting you know products out quickly, but having better features than Definitely. than yep. anyone else. So yes. I can see uh, you play an important role in that. And you know, again, great to see uh, New Zealand companies innovating on a on a global stage. So uh, cool. thanks for your time, Ben. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. Cool. Great. Right now with Brad Zachary from uh, Samsung Electronics America. Brad, you're a, uh, a national trainer here in the in the US, so you're pretty clued up with uh, with what's going on with the Samsung TVs. That's the rumor, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm keen to hear a little bit about what's uh, what's really new in the smart sort of TV area from uh, from Samsung in, in 2013. Uh, we know from from the keynote that uh, you've moved your you know your top end uh, smart TVs to be using a quad core processor, so there's a lot more power. That brings some more capabilities. You've put dual core smart TV capabilities and you know further down uh, your range. So there's really uh, you know smart TV and Wi-Fi uh, capabilities ac- across probably the large proportion of your products now. What uh, well, so yeah, actually uh, last year we sold over 50 million smart units, um, and we're hoping to expand that by making smart more available at more price points, which is why we're doing it in dual core and in quad core this year. Um, but the, the nature of the beast is, is we really wanted to expand smart capabilities. You know, people are starting to grasp that, that the, the cell phones are more like computers, the TVs are more like cell phones, and, and we wanted to open up the on-demand experience. You know, we're finding that it's, it, the, the attention span isn't shrinking. In fact, it's, it's growing. It just has to be good content. It has to be content that the user cares about. So we wanted to make the poll environment much more dynamic. You know, if you're interested in a show or you're interested in a movie or you have a library you want to watch, we want to pull that content to you whenever your free time is is. So we've expanded it to five new tiles. One tile dedicated to channel surfing. So you've got basically a space which shows the live television and then the TV actually recommends what else is on right now. Right, so when you turn the TV on you're able to, you know, you see TV instantly as you have done traditionally but you're actually inside that smart TV 
end device. Yeah, you're, you're already starting into that experience. And so the TV with the quad cores, they can actually recognize you as a unique user and then map out what you're watching based on the time of the day, the experience that you happen to have, your user profile. So, for example, if I'm watching news in the morning, it knows that that's probably the genre that the TV needs to host, so it'll give me other news things I might be interested in. So, you know, for example, if I'm on, you know, BBC or CBC, CNN, it might give me other news media sources that it might be interested in at the time. It also, on the bottom, has a, uh, a interface that shows me what's coming up based on my preferences and viewing patterns throughout the day. So, you know, if I happen to sit down and enjoy a good action movie later at night, it's going to say, hey, you know, in 90 minutes, the new Bond film's available on your HBO or, you know, there, you know other stuff that might be coming up. Right, right. So it's drawing into the, uh, the electronic program guide there and, and able to pull that information out. Uh, I think probably initially in New Zealand, it won't, you know, there won't be as much uh, accessibility here as, as in the US, but it's certainly good to see sort of what, what's coming down. And, uh, you know, no, no doubt those uh, capabilities will sort of expand a little bit over time. Exactly. So in, in that case, um, the next panel would be our on-demand panel. And so this is more of the uh, Netflix, the Vudu, the, you know, worldwide streaming partners that we happen to have. It's a recommendation engine and page where you can get all of your library. And so using the metadata that's on the web, any television show that's been aired, it has that data. And we can find that across multiple content partners. So, you know, if, if your premium time to watch TV happens to be between 12 and 2, we can get you whatever you want to watch in that market. You're not limited to, you know, what just happens to be on. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and, and what are the other sections? So the other three pages, we have a all-share page, which will actually go out to your network and pull any content it happens to find across laptops, desktops, tablets, what have you, and brings it to that area. So I no longer have to um, you know, have a, a small window interface. So if I want to show my friend my pictures from my vacation, I don't hand him a three-inch cell phone. I can actually pull those all to the television. The next page is a social site where I actually have my Skype, my, my Twitter, my Facebook. I can see what's trending. I can watch videos with my friends. Um, and have a, a social interaction page. And then the last, we wanted to dedicate a space to our application platform. So aside from just our application shop, we have your, your entire application menu in this page. Last year, we had over 2,800 apps um, available. We were averaging about 300,000 apps downloaded worldwide. So, so it's, it's, it's fantastic, uh, 300,000 a day, I'm sorry. So it's a fantastic platform to kind of allow the user to get whatever they want, whether it be games or movies or music, the, the, the source is open. No, that's great. Now, one uh, one uh, area that uh, uh, is becoming you know more and more common uh, with TVs is uh, that access to Skype on the TV. Uh, what I'm curious about is uh, which of your which of the models now includes the uh, the camera built in. So uh, everything 7500 and up. Okay. comes with the camera built in. So yep. our, our LEDs, 7500 and 8000, our plasma, 8500, the OLED, the 9500, and the S9, um, quad, I'm sorry, the S9 4K. Now, everything 6000 and up is Skype available, meaning you can purchase right. a Skype camera separate. You know, if, you're, if your budget range just can't, you can't get out to the, the premium line mm-hmm. of our televisions, we still want to accommodate to you so you can get that camera separately when you've got the funds available, and that will make your television gesture controllable, facial recognition, and allow you to Skype. Okay. Now, one uh, one limitation I've noticed on uh, on Skype on the TV in the past is that you can't do the, uh, you know, the sort of the group video calling. Is that something that, um, that, that Skype's, uh, well, that's, that's, that's being addressed? Uh, we've asked Skype about it. Now, the Skype app is done on their end, not on our end. Right. Um, and they've told us in the past that the TVs just weren't weren't able, which mm. we're hoping with the, the quad core, we should have more than enough PC processing power for them to do all of that. Okay. So, it, so it, that it, is a possibility certainly going into the future correct. with these new quad core uh, based TVs. Correct. 
Okay, that's great. That's great. Uh, anything anything else that uh, is worth uh, worth noting? Um, you, the the only other thing I would talk about is the natural language selection. We've really gone our way to to kind of make this more ease uh, ease of use, I should say. The the common perception is there's two ways computers interact. You have mm-hmm. the Star Wars universe where they're funny androids, they walk around, they have, provide comedic relief. Yeah. You have the Star Trek universe where you give commands, computer turn on, computer warp speed, things like that. Sure. We wanted to kind of blend those together. I, I have the ability now. I can just ask the television. I'm bored. What do you recommend? Or, um, you know, show me a movie with Tom Cruise in it. Instead of being, hi, TV, go to movies. Movies. Search for Tom Cruise. I mean, it's much more free-flowing. I can, I can be wide open and say, I'm in the mood for a comedy. And the TV will recommend me a comedy based on that. And how you're finding the uptake is, you know, I think most of us are just used to using a remote control. It's pretty hard to, uh, you know, to convince most people to, uh, you know, play with the gesture control and, and the voice control. Often, you know, the rooms are noisy or, you know, the, uh, they're sitting in the wrong position maybe for the gesture control to, uh, to, to work. How's that going? So, so this works a lot better than it did last year. Last year we had a 2-megapixel camera and it was really hard for it to make out anything other than a perfect environment. Now we have an 8-megapixel camera, so it's much more dynamic um, but it, it's more along the lines of get to not have to mm. so if you're sitting there and the remote's right next to you and you just want to change the channel pick the remote up and change the channel if I'm in the kitchen and I'm making dinner and my hands are covered in food it's a lot easier to say hi TV change to ESPN instead of washing my hands walking to the living room looking for my remote picking my remote I mean that's a whole process I have to stop what I'm doing and so that's kind of the idea um, as far as navigating controls, it's up to you. I mean, we have the ability uh, with IP controls where you can use a cell phone, you can use a tablet. You know, if you prefer using the remote, that's great. But we're finding that typing on a remote or navigating an up, down, left, right cursor with a remote mm. is not as easy as being able to say the first one, bottom. Mm. And is that something that uh, that you'll you'll open up? I know initially, uh, you know, when those uh, smart TV sort of capabilities uh, came out, you know, it was obviously limited to uh, you know Samsung uh, phones. Is that something you'll open up to uh, iOS and, and Windows phone platforms? So actually, too? last year we um, we supported iOS and all Android phones. Okay, um, we want to continue to do that. Obviously, they launched their iOS five, so we've got to write a new app for them and mm. and go through that process. But it's it's not a lack of want. It's just a it's a developing time. Um, Windows. Windows 8 should be getting an app from us shortly this year. Uh, their, their phones are more than capable. I don't know why we haven't reached out enough to, to BlackBerry, um, but it, it's not for lack of want. It just mm-hmm. happens to be for writing. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. since most of our phones are Android-based, it's really easy for us to make an Android app because we physically have them sitting in the cubicle. Somebody can you know, write yeah. the code. It's a little more difficult when you know, you're not allowed to have an iPhone in the office and we've got to write an app for them. <laughs> Fair enough. Excellent. Hey, well, th- thanks very much for that update. It's it's really good to, to hear what's happening in the smart TV space from Samsung. Appreciate your time, Brad. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, right now, I'm with uh, Gabe Gravening from uh, from AMD. Now, it's been some time since we last talked. I think it was uh, via Skype. That's right. Glad to see you here in person here at CES 2013. Yeah, it's great. Now um, we, we've just been looking at some of uh, some of the new products that are coming into the market that have uh, AMD's um, uh, processor and graphics technologies in them. Maybe you can just run us through. We've uh, first of all got a, a tablet here from uh, Vizio. Now this is a, a vendor that we haven't really heard of in, in the New Zealand market, uh, but understand that they're um, 
number one, well, number one is that right in, t- in terms of selling TVs in the uh, in the US market at the moment? Yeah, Vizio is still a relatively new brand on a global perspective because they're uh, primarily focused in North America so far, but have really come out of uh, nowhere in the in the TV market and have uh, have launched a number one uh, for HD TVs. Uh, they entered the PC space last year. And uh, uh, really coming out with some great industrial designs. And, uh, and so we were happy to announce here at CES, bringing them on board into the AMD family of customers. Uh, and they announced uh, a number of things, a new all-in-one, two new ultra-thin notebooks, uh, as well as a, a new tablet based on, on AMD. Yeah, this new tablet looks nice. Uh, running, running, running Windows eight. Uh, I guess you know the, the, this is really a whole new space with with Windows eight and having you know the power of a of a PC and a and a, and a tablet type form factor. Um, can you run us through what's uh, what's what's in there with this uh, this model? Yeah, this particular uh, uh, device uh, is an eleven point six tablet. And uh, it's really sturdy. So you've got a uh, screen size there that's you know similar to your sort of smallest laptops, but a, a fair chunk bigger than a than a, than an iPad. That's uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. It's true. It's a, so you get some more uh, real estate there, but it's mm. a sixteen by nine format, and it's a ten eighty p touch. Uh, right, so it's a it's a full HD full high screen. definition screen. Yeah, it looks really sharp. And I think looks that great. You know, I think that is one of the opportunities uh, for this space. A lot of the tablets are going to higher res screens, probably even surpassing a lot of what the notebooks are today. Uh, the notebooks are, and the rest of the devices are going to get there uh, as well. So the 1080p is a real differentiator for uh, for this device, and it's just a beautiful design. It's fanless, so it's completely quiet. Uh, it, it's fast. It's it's uh, you know responsive, and and so we're super excited about getting this thing uh, to market. And uh, first in um, in North. America and and you know I don't know what their expansion plans beyond that are. And is this one a, a dual a dual core or a quad core uh, processor? Right. So this is powered by uh, our dual core uh, Z60 APU, our accelerated processor units. That's what we call our combined uh, CPU and GPU on a single core or on a single uh, single chip. And um, uh, so this dual core with onboard uh, Radeon graphics. Right. So in, in, simplis- in simplistic terms, I guess, in, you know, in the old days, we would have the, 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 the CPU or the processor that handled, you know, the main, you know, brains of the computer and then a, a separate uh, graphics processor for, uh, for that side of it. And, you know, AMD over the... When did you launch your first sort of APU where you brought that together? Yeah, so that was uh, CES two years ago. Yeah, when we first launched the APU, uh, which was the first time that uh, we brought the CPU and the GPU all onto a single die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since other guys in the industry have done that, uh, and in you know coming from the phone space, it's sort of been like that as well with this SOC sort of uh, design, but. Um, but we were the first ones to bring that uh, x86 and NGPU on, on the same die. And, and that really has continued, and we've continued to evolve uh, the APU and to the point of, uh, of unveiling uh, last night at our, our press conference the, for the first time a, um, a further integration of that where we bring in uh, what was called the, the South Bridge. So the, kind of the last piece mm. uh, uh, that of the you know the rest of the silicon right onto the die so we're excited about our 2013 lineup of right of so you SOCs. end up with a very very small uh you know 
technological package that really drives the whole system right. with with that system on a chip uh, design. Yeah, right. It, it yeah. brings you know. It, you get battery savings um, and reduces the footprint so you can make smaller and smaller devices. Mm. And so what does that announcement uh, bring us in terms of uh, uh, you know, processing power and so on? We're talking, um, you talked earlier about quad-core uh, capability on a, on a chip that's going to be pretty low in terms of the amount of power that it draws, right? Yeah, that's right. So we, uh, the big announcement, and then we believe we're going to be the, uh, the first uh, first ones in the market to bring quad core x86 tablet focus part uh, to market, and so that is pretty exciting. Still with incredible graphics, quad core CPU capability uh, that supports 64 bit, provide a full Windows 8 experience. With you know, I think that w- uh, is where it'll really set itself apart in the uh, in the marketplace, and um, uh, we're looking for that uh, mid uh, around. Later in 2013, right, and you you were talking before in terms of where that's uh, sort of positioned, and, and in terms of performance, it won't, um, you know, it won't be that sort of bottom end uh, product, obviously, with the sort of the the, the quad core and and um, um, you know that uh, x86 compatibility run, you know, full full window stuff. It sort of sits at a sort of a mid a midpoint in terms of uh, both performance and and power usage. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We really think of it as kind of that sweet spot um, where uh, uh, where it's going to be a great position for us. You know, you have on the the lower end the, the ARM based ha- uh, chips coming up. Um, the only challenge, the performance uh, is not as high as some of the XA6 counterparts, number one. Number two is you've got the compatibility. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have, um, you know, notebook-style parts that you try to bring down into the uh, tablet space. So this is the, uh, you know, true SOC really designed for, for that uh you know, for these types of devices, right? So tablets, we'll, convertibles uh, that will have great performance, great battery life. Um, you know, all in one, right? And will will that allow you know the manufacturers that, that, that come on board that you know that you work with, um, you know, to 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 deliver systems that are that are fanless as well, or uh, will will those systems be at the point where they they will need a, a fan for cooling as well, depending on you know what, what's in them, I suppose. Yeah, we'll we'll. We'll be able to enable uh, fanless designs not only in a tablet but also clamshell. So we're seeing a lot of interest in, in purely fanless designs, especially if you you know you pair that with an SSD and you have a completely uh, silent system, which I just think is uh, is great. And so um, you know there's lots of factors that depend on the you know for the PC cooling uh, and that type of thing. But uh, but you'll definitely see uh, fanless tablets as well as fanless clamshell or traditional notebooks uh, based on on these processors mm, great and we've got a nice uh, sort of thin and light um, um, Asus uh, machine here now I guess if it had an Intel chip in it they'd be calling it an ultra book um, right we call it <laughs> ultra thin <laughs> uh, ultra thin is the uh, the AMD branding yeah um, now this is this is a newly announced uh, product from um, Asus. It is. Yep. They just uh, they just recently announced it, uh, just prior to the show, in fact. And it's the ASUS uh, U38, and um, uh, and we're really excited about this. this yeah, this, I mean, it's a lovely looking uh, laptop. It's uh, it's so brushed yeah. aluminum, uh, yeah. unibody construction. Uh, it has a full uh, 
HD screens. So 1080p uh, with touch. It's 18 millimeters thin. Uh, it's powered by our quad-core A10 um, uh, ultra-low uh, voltage part. And so it's got great performance, great graphics, um, backlit keyboard, uh, Windows 8 compatible trackpad with gesture support. Yeah, so really, it's, it's really big trackpad. A stylish looking machine. Now it's it's mentioned here that it, the audio is by Bang and Olufsen, so uh, have to have a little bit of a play with that and see just how good it uh, it sounds. But yeah, it looks like a really really nice machine, and it's I guess not what I would have expected uh, to have seen with a with an AMD processor in it. So obviously that's a really a sign of uh, of where things have been moving for 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 AM, AMD while. Uh, while our heads have been turned, so it's 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 uh, no, it's it's great to see uh, um, to to see this innovation coming through. Yeah, and and between uh, that device and some of the other uh, uh, from a number of our our uh, OEM partners, we're really getting a broader range of devices. I mean, so you know, when you all the way from tablets uh, to ultra thins um, to even still, you know the. St- still many people buy the 15 and 17 inch kind of big uh, desktop replacement laptops and we do really well there uh, desk all-in-ones are you know continuing to, uh, to to grow in the category particularly with Windows 8 having that touch capability um, you know traditional desktop uh, businesses so so we, we're finding ourselves in a, even a broader range of, of devices which I think uh, represents good opportunity for us in 2013 and, and you're still sort of playing in the service spaces as well that's an, an, an area I know AMD's been you know involved in in the, in, in the past um, you know you've got how many causes in your uh, are in your sort of top processes there now yeah gosh uh, <laughs> I think we're up to 16 now in a given wow. uh, uh, in a given processor, that's impressive. And then you, uh, you know, you can multiply that. A lot of exciting stuff going on in, in, in the server space. Um, uh, for one, we announced um, that we were going to be the first ones to bring ARM sixty four into the server space. Uh, so that makes us the only company to, to have both x eighty six and ARM in a, under the single house. So between that and our uh, the graphics capability that we're bringing into the server space, um, where you're going to have CPUs and GPUs sitting side by side doing different workloads on the on the server side, um, and then we made a huge acquisition um, uh, to bring new fabric and and super dense uh, uh, super dense capabilities into server uh, where we can uh, put the server on basically what is the size of a credit card uh, with our new division that, that we have there. So a lot of great stuff going on the server side as well. Yeah, oh, that's good to hear. Now, also, you, you mentioned um, earlier, but before we started recording, around um, some software that's going to be um, uh, you know, bundled with, with some of the, uh, the products that carry AMD um, uh, chips in the future. Um, can you just run us through a little bit about uh, what, that, what that's going to consist of? Yeah, so we're super excited about this. Uh, we call it our, um, uh, our experience bundle um, or our uh, experience program and uh, and what it really brings as part of our Richland A-series APUs um, uh, will be uh, specific three applications that will um, uh, that are basically three things. Number one is uh, face logon. And so we think this is a pretty interesting scenario that's, that's coming into, uh, into its time um, where, you know, people are getting sick and tired of 
of remembering all of their username and passwords for every single website and and mo- most all devices if not all have a have a web camera built in so we're able to use uh, you know facial recognition technology that we've worked with with partner company on to to do the face right. login and you've done some stuff. smart stuff there so someone can't just sort of hold up a you know hold up a picture or or, or something like that so, yeah that's uh, right the recognition know. is really good now and and uh, so you can't hold up the picture or to fake it out or, or anything like that um, and you know you can even it even knows you know bl- your blinks and everything else. So it's 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 very accurate nowadays. Mm. So so that's number one. Number two is uh, AMD gesture control, and uh, this is kind of a lightweight, not all the way connect like, but yep. it's it's kind of some lightweight. Uh, uh, natural user interface gesture uh, controls for a number of apps. So this uh, draws on the, uh, the 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 camera that that's in you know most laptops and and and, and tablets and so on today. That's right. So the great that's thing the technology this, that sort of en- enables it. Yeah, and the great yeah. thing about the solution is it works with your uh, traditional two D cameras that are are in now. Uh, and what we've done is we've really optimized it for our APUs so that um, one of the problems was low light conditions. So uh, this we've been able to re- we do pre processing of the video. Uh, so that even in low light conditions, we've got quite good accuracy on these uh, on these gestures. So, um, you know, there's a number of scenarios between notebooks and all in ones. Maybe it's a kitchen PC and you've got your your hands dirty with you know cooking, and you want to you know flip to the next page of a recipe and, and whatever. So, um, it, it's some pretty interesting scenarios. So that's the second thing. Uh, and then the third piece of technology that we're bringing is called AMD Screen Mirror. Now, what this is, uh, it allows you without the need for a uh, third-party dongle, which is what you need for wireless display today, yes, to mirror the screen to any DLNA uh, receiver right. that has the Play 2 capabilities. Okay. So okay. think about this. You, know, you oftentimes want to share what you have on your screen, either photos or even a brow- what you're browsing or whatever on a bigger screen. And, um, and so this is kind of the wireless display technology. Uh, but we've been able to do this with um, in a software-only solution to DLNA-based uh, devices like smart TVs, right? Yeah, like and, and most mo- smart and TVs and you know a whole range of set-top boxes have that DLNA uh, you know capability built built in that allows you to push content. But that's right. You know, traditionally, it's not a uh, it doesn't allow you to just share, you know uh, you know push your your screen off your laptop or tablet up onto the main. Yeah, screen. that's right. So, Typically, yeah, you can only select a certain pieces of content and send that. So this allows you to basically, gra- you know, select your device and say mirror my whole screen, and then you're you're uh, you're off and running. So it's pretty, no, that's uh, good. Some that's good, good good capabilities. Yeah, yeah, excellent. All right, well, uh, thanks for your time, uh, Gabe. Good to get an update on on what's happening at AMD, and it certainly uh, sounds interesting. Sounds very positive. So uh, yeah, thanks very much. My pleasure. So I'm here with uh, Pete Hollenhorst from LG Electronics, and we're looking at LG's uh, OLED TVs. Now you've got some uh, some new innovations to show off here at, at CES, Pete. Run, run me through what's on the show floor. Well, you know, for 2013, we're off to a really energetic start across the board. You know, for the last four years at CES, we've talked about OLED technology and really kind of teased your viewership and, and listening audience that's out there with a lot of different types of screen sizes. We're pleased to announce some a couple of major pieces. One of the biggest things is OLED's available in a 55-inch. We are shipping, and it'll be a slow global rollout. We're talking about a $12,000 U.S. Uh, price point for a 55 
five-inch uh, television uh, that's coming out. Now, one of the big things, though, that happened just 10 minutes before the show opened here at CES is we can talk about our curved OLED product that, uh, that just rolled out. Literally, the engineers came in, tore the product down on the front of the uh, station, and then brought these three beautiful curved OLED 3D televisions out, the first in the world. Yeah, they're pretty cool. What uh, what do you see the the uh, the curved element bringing to uh, bringing to television? You know, Paul, it's a really good point. You know, when we talk about curved televisions and uh, overall, and these are I forgot to mention, these are a five degree radius. So mm. one of the big things that we're doing here is we're eliminating the distortion that you typically get from a flat panel. It opens up the viewing angle, which is great. But if I'm sitting dead center in the TV, I get that parale- uh, uh, binocular parallax, so that I'm each eye is individual seeing the depth that we're trying to get uh, across for 3D television. Yeah, it looks, looks great for, uh, for 3D. And uh, these ones are, are full HD? Yeah, you know, everything that we're going to do here for our OLED technology in terms of specification, remember that we started off with that Kodak patent with the WRGB technology. So the first thing uh, your listening audience is going to see this year is how bright the overall panel is mm. because each uh, pixel creates its own luminance. The other part of that, though, is, is that we're talking about an infinite contrast ratio across the board, just really unparalleled black levels across the board. But I think what uh, you and I are both looking for is just that overall thinness at four millimeters thin and that's kind of hard to conceptualize in your mind so let's talk about three credit cards thin um, that's out there so really you know kind of the big theme here in our booth is we're talking about big we're talking about fast and we're talking about thin pretty much everything my wife talks about when I'm at home <laughs> excellent now uh, the, the 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 curved um, OLED that, that's not coming to market just yet no. any, any ideas on on when we're likely to sort of see that uh, you know is it is it a year away or five years away yeah, that's a great question so you know here at <laughs> LG we like to talk a lot about our technology stories we're uh, we're a little short on details I will tell you that uh, if you like the curved uh, uh, OLED product that's out there right now just wait until you see what we do next year at CES excellent excellent that's great and uh, what else has uh, has LG got going on we, we uh, saw in New Zealand the launch of your uh, uh, 84 inch um 4K or Ultra HD uh, Ultra HD product? Well, you know, kind of keeping with that theme in the bigger, faster, thinner type of arena, you know, we've launched here for the last month and a half in the United States, we're talking about an 84-inch UHD product, so that 4K product that's out there. I think, you know, when you go from that 2 million pixels at 1080p and get up into 8 million pixels at 2160p, or just that full UHD spec, it's pretty amazing the amount of detail. The other big Big news, though, that came out at this show is we're talking about a 65 and a 55-inch product that will be released in the second half of the year. So, so it's you're bringing a, that ultra-high definition down to, I guess, smaller sizes and, and lower price points. Well, yeah, you know, so we haven't uh, discussed pricing just yet. We want to see what the market conditions are doing. But we really see that 65-inch being a gateway into the consumer's living room. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time discussing LG's uh, latest on TVs, Pete. Paul, I appreciate it. Now, with the team at LG, not only have they got a range of smart smart TVs that uh, will let you play Angry Birds, get email on your, uh, on your TV, browse the internet, and watch a whole lot of content.
content and, and install apps. LG has uh, a whole range of smart devices for other parts of the home. I'm with Randy Overton, who's going to give us a little bit of a run-through on some of those products. Now, they're not all necessarily available in the New Zealand market just yet, but it does give us a little bit of a, a taste of, uh, of what's coming, uh, coming down in the future. Uh, Randy, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the smart fridge we're looking at. Well, thanks, Paul. Yes, appliances are part of technology. That's a big story with LG. And our smart appliances, it's kind of the future where things are going. But as you may have heard, we've actually already launched here in the States. So we do have a suite of smart appliances available. So we're standing in front of our beautiful 31 cubic foot French store refrigerator with this beautiful 7 inch touchscreen interface, as you can see. Full color. Tells us what the uh, sunny, oops, not sunny now. According to my weather cast, it's partly sunny and a chilly 43 degrees Fahrenheit here. But uh, beautiful interface and kind of what makes these smart is all about connectivity. So they can be connected to a smart grid if available. So they're smart grid ready. They're connected to you. These are Wi-Fi connected products. So once you bring them home, you get them into your Wi-Fi network, have them up and running. And then you get one of your smartphones or your smart tablets download our smart apps you can hear kind of a, a, a theme to this yeah and you can actually communicate with these devices very very simple cool so look looking on the screen of the device once you hook that up uh, obviously you've got access just to you know weather type information those sort of things over Wi-Fi uh, but you've also got uh, recipes in there as, as well um, can you keep it up to date updated with uh, you know what you've actually got in the uh, in the refrigerator well, of course, that's the big part of what a refrigerator does. It's about preserving the freshness of the food items inside. So we actually have something we're calling a smart food manager. And with that, you can actually inventory the items that are in your refrigerator section and separately in the freezer. Oh, that's cool. So you, you make sure that, you know, the chicken you put in the fridge doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't go off because you've left it in there too long. And that's a big part of that. So certain items that are more perishable that, you know, have those expiration dates that we like to keep an eye on, you can actually input those into the refrigerator and we have something called a freshness tracker now what that'll do is you can program it to remind you two to three days ahead of time of those due dates to say hey guess what you're having tonight you're having chicken tonight or you may end up wasting that food and of course that's wasting money so Mm. that's really a nice reminder and you can also simply take some of these items that may expire and send them into a grocery list that you can send with you over to the local grocery store oh that's cool Now, we've got Recipe Bank, as you've noticed here. We've got about a 1,000 recipes embedded. They're all from the Food Channel. And you can do your normal category search, but what's really kind of fun to do is why not search with some items that you actually have in the refrigerator. So I can go through and then say if I choose chicken, it's going to come up with a recipe. And as I bring up that recipe, it's going to give me, obviously, the, uh, the instructions on how to actually prepare that item. And then the beauty of that is it gives me the entire ingredient list. So I can go through and check those and actually send them into uh, my grocery list. So as I'm actually, as I'm speaking to them, I'm choosing all these items, just pressing a couple of buttons, and magically they've all been sent to that, that list. Cool. So, for example, I've been adding a couple of items during the week as they run out, and I noticed that uh, I need to bring these in also. So I can simply sync them to my phone, have that list handy. Perhaps my spouse is out shopping. They can receive it remotely also. So that's kind of the cool thing about that. Yeah, I, was, I mean, we've, in, in my home, we've certainly used our smartphones for, uh, you know, for tracking shopping lists and so on. And, uh, yeah, it lo- looks as though that could work. It's certainly a nice big screen there on the, uh, on the, on the fridge. And, uh, yeah, now w- w- one question, what, uh, what smartphones does this work with at this stage? 
what's the uh, what's the technology it, it uses? Does it need to be uh, Android or iPhone? Are those the two platforms? Are you supporting Windows Phone or BlackBerry at all? Well, presently we are supporting uh, Apple-based and Android. Okay, always a possibility that we could bring in Windows also. And of course, the, your main appliance is simply a, a Wi-Fi connection. If you're ever able to connect to a smart grid that may be in your local community, that's a special Zigbee module that you would buy separately and just plugs in, and you can connect right up to that grid. Cool. Probably not something relevant for our market just yet, but good to good to know that you're staying uh, staying ahead there. It's all about energy efficiency, so we want to be there when when you're able to do that. Right, right. So with that sort of energy efficiency uh, uh, capability, you're able to, uh, if you know sort of the hours when it when it's better to uh, lower the energy usage, you're able to take advantage of that. Well, actually, on the refrigerator, it's funny you mentioned that. We actually have a simulated smart grid function inside of it. So if your local community isn't connected to a smart grid, it actually will reduce certain functions or delay certain functions in the refrigerator during those typical peak power times in your community, and you can save energy that way. So okay. absolutely do that. So if you don't have, aren't able to receive signals from your, your local utility through a, a smart grid, you can actually uh, simulate that with our refrigerator. So that's that's pretty neat. Smart savings is what that's called. Okay, now tell me about the smart oven. Well, this is a smart oven. So this is one of our premium single oven electric ranges. It's a nice, huge 6.3 cubic foot capacity, which is really about the largest you can get in a single oven setup. It's true convection. It's got our infrared grill, which is a really great... Uh, uh, rolling system that's about 20% faster than, than those and we've even added 3200 watt elements that really brings those big pots to boil very fast. So we've added smart of course it's connected to the internet and of course it's going to be connected to an LG smartphone or your favorite smartphone and we have an app. So we actually have a recipe bank, same one that we share with the refrigerator. and You can actually select it from the app itself and simply send a Wi-Fi signal and program the cooking information. You know, the time, the temperature, all those settings automatically sent to the range. All you need to do is walk up and hit start. Cool. Now, is there any sort of tie-in between the, the refrigerator and, you know, in the oven there? Well, the tie-in could be that I could actually send that recipe information over directly from the refrigerator. I wouldn't, wouldn't even have to actually use the phone itself. So right. that's kind of cool. So it right. can just send it right over, so you and can, it's ready you to walk over and hit start. Roast chicken or something like that. Yeah. It's going to set up the right temperature and set it to preheat for makes you. It, makes it very, very simple. Uh, getting, we're going to become very lazy. Well, well, I'm I'm going to tell you how you can you can even be more lazy. Yeah. Of course, what you do with your time is you know not necessarily what I do with my time. Yeah. But at, let's say we actually have a, a roast chicken cooking inside. Yeah. And as you know, maybe it's timed out for 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, you can actually take your smart device, and this could eventually be in our smart uh, televisions also, and it'll actually keep up with the time for me, and can even notify you when when it's done. So I can see I have two minutes left as I'm looking down on my smart device. I know I can pause my movie or my sports program, mm-hmm. go back to the kitchen and, and take it out before it gets overcooked. Okay. So cool. keeping up, keeping, uh, keeping better food, making you sound like a better cook, actually be a better cook. And, uh, take- and, and what, if you're, what if you're out and about and you've you know, forgotten there's something, uh, something in the oven, you, can you turn, turn it off uh, remotely? Actually, currently you can't do that. It's not, quote, unquote, a remote control. So even if you were out in another city and just for fun you decided to uh, power on the range, you can't do that. Someone's yeah. got to be in the kitchen to actually hit the start button. So we we well, thought about that safety, safety issue. Safety factors around that too. Yeah, if you're, uh, you're especially on big- somebody uh, you know hacks in, gets your password or something, and uh, you know, okay, no, that right. is that is exactly <laughs> true. And as we walk down, 
So right around from my smart kitchen is my smart appliance, my smart laundry system. This is one of our beautiful uh, high-efficiency top-load washers. It's huge 4.7 cubic foot capacity, one of LG's great True Steam dryers with all those great benefits of True Steam. You can relax those wrinkles, remove odors. We could even sanitize more delicate items that you would never want to throw in the washing machine. It's pretty cool. So how does this hook in, uh, you know, what are the smart smart features? I see a nice big touchscreen uh, there, no more, uh, no more buttons on the, uh, on the washing machine or the dryer. And as I've heard a, a lot of people mention, it actually kind of simulates a smartphone. So it's beautiful, full color. You can actually swipe your finger across the screen just like what we're used to doing with our smart devices. And uh, very intuitive, a lot of great information, you know, right at your eye, very easy to see. So being smart, again, we are connected. So we're connected to the Internet. We're connected to our smart devices. It's even connected into LG. So we can actually log into LG with something we call Smart Adapt and stay up to date. So we maybe changed the firmware, updated an algorithm of a particular wash cycle. Maybe we even have a brand new cycle that might work for you. You can actually log into LG and download that download that directly from the washing machine That's or the cool. dryer. Now looking looking at the touchscreen, there really are a whole a whole range of you know cycles, the cycles for sportswear and towels, and you know as, along with all the sort of ones we we're, we're, we're used to, uh, like delicates and, and and woolen and so on. Um, so it's really a, that having uh, I guess that smart capability allows it to uh, you know offer just that that next level of customizability. Oh, absolutely. You know, actually all of LG washing machines, whether it's our high-efficiency top load or front load, we've actually programmed many, many cycles in there and really make it very simple to use. They kind of look complicated, some of them, just because of all the options that we have. Mm. But quite frankly, all a, a consumer needs to do is simply put the clothes in, a little bit of detergent. We use HE detergent. That's, what, that's what's recommended. And simply choose a cycle and press start. It'll actually weigh the clothes, determine the size, put in just enough water to wash those, and everything else is automatic. The spin speeds, the water temperatures, all that's been pre-selected to work for those types of fabrics. So you don't have to think twice about it. Oh, that's great. Now, one thing we've sort of started to get used to with uh, with our cars in, uh, in recent years and, and the computers that are built into them is that uh, those computers can be used for diagnostics. Now, you know, we've, we've got a device here with, you know, obviously a motor and, you know, there are things that can go wrong over time. Uh, what what is the sort of smart capability able to do in those regards? Let, let, let's say uh, uh, the washing machine breaks down at some point. Uh, is it able to you know give us some diagnostics and, and maybe tell us uh, what's going on? Well, absolutely. You know, things are mechanical, especially a washing machine, a lot of moving parts. We have a very, very reliable design. Our, our motor system that we use in all of our washing machines is called a direct drive motor. LG actually started using them in 1998. No belts or pulleys. It's kind of electromagnetic design, so it by itself is extremely durable. We actually back it with a 10-year limited warranty. But should something happen, we've got something called smart diagnosis. We, we introduced this kind of self-diagnostic tool actually about two years ago in all of our laundry, and now it's come into a lot of our other products, refrigerators, dishwashers, even in cooking. And with uh, smart, we've taken it to the Wi-Fi age, if you will. So what that is is simply you would uh, call up LG. We would instruct you on pressing you know, one button, press another button, hold the phone up to the, vi- d- the device, and it would actually send out a tone to LG. So our technicians on the other side can unfold that signal, if you will, and help diagnose what's wrong. Because as you can imagine, sometimes it is user error. 
Yeah. I, I've yeah. heard it, it's it can ha- it can happen. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. The or manuals get, the manuals can get a little confusing or lost sometimes. Yeah. So you know we can just simply speak with you over the phone and resolve it right there. No need to send a technician to visit you, and no need for you to actually take some time off just to get just to get a a, a switch yeah. resolved or tightened. Oh, that's or something. great. That's really yeah. helpful. Now, if we look forward to it, you know, I can imagine a day when uh, with the washing machine, you just you just throw your clothes in there. You know, all the clothes are tagged with some sort of a uh, an, an identifier. The washing machine's going to know what's in there. It'll decide what to do uh, with the fridge as food goes in and out. Uh, there'll be some sort of similar mechanism. You know, it works out that, oh, I just saw some uh, uh, tomatoes go in, or tomatoes as you call them, uh, uh, go, tomato, go into, tomato. The, yeah. into the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it, it keeps a track of, uh, of what's going on and, uh, and, and, and how long it's going to last. Is that, is that the sort of stuff that uh, LG's doing sort of research and development on at the moment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're looking into anything to make, make life easier for everyone, to make life good, as our, as our saying goes. So the real future, of, for example, of that smart refrigerator and the smart food manager is to eventually have smart tag products. It knows exactly what's going in, what's going out, perhaps even a, 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 a gallon of milk could have a smart sensor that could even sense the weight of that milk. Mm. So as you're in your local grocery store, you can actually see that the weight is uh, reduced, you know, the milk's getting low, time to replace that milk. Now, throwing in a bunch of different clothes with different tags, with different types, uh, yeah, well, you still got to separate stuff or you could end up sure. having your, uh, your, your favorite white shirt showing up as, uh, you know, Valentine's Day pink. Some people like that, but, you know, that's... I'm That's sure still- you can work a sorter in there for us as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah. any way we can make life easier, that's what these smart technologies are about. Freeing up time to do something else, but still getting those activities, those chores done, making it less of a chore. Excellent. Hey, thanks, Randy, for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Paul. Thanks. Yes. I'm, I'm here with Panasonic, with Panasonic's Greg Lee, and we're taking a look around some of the new innovations from uh, from Panasonic here at CES 2013. Now, starting out with a product that has has gained a fair bit of attention here during uh, during CES, and I think it's already got a, an award or two under its belt, we're talking about Panasonic's 20-inch 4K tablet. So this is a, a monster of a tablet uh, running Windows 8 and with a very high-definition screen. Uh, screen. Tell us a little bit about this uh, new tablet, Greg. Well, this is a pretty amazing piece of technology. We've taken what most people are getting excited about, this whole you know Ultra HD or 4K, and we're talking big screens like 56 inch like we just showed with our OLED, but now we're showing a tablet that is 20 inches. It's something that's mobile. You can carry it around. It operates on Windows 8 Pro, but the resolution is over four times what you would get off of your full HD high definition television. It's very, very clear to look at it. You know, I can imagine this is the sort of thing, uh, you know, photographers and and uh, you know professionals would really, uh, you know, appreciate the sort of the, the clarity and the detail and, and and the color and so on. It, it looks exceptional. Yeah, it, you know, looking at it here, you can see it. Almost, it really doesn't even look like pixels. It just looks like natural life or a natural image like this thing was printed or something yeah no it, it does uh, uh, you know when you're looking at something s- still on it it uh, yeah it looks like a, a you know a photographic uh, print very very nice now uh, in, in terms of the specs I mean we're talking about a um, uh, horizontal resolution of um, nearly 4,000 uh, pixels by two and a half thousand pixels so uh, uh, yeah right up there and um, 
Windows 8 uh, Pro, uh, the uh, Core i5 uh, processor uh, built in, up to 16 uh, gigs of RAM and uh, 128 gig uh, SSD. Um, so really all the, all the sorts of things that we've come to expect, sort of a high-end uh, Windows 8 uh, tablet, uh, but much larger, uh, and uh, I guess with that display it means a much shorter battery life. We're uh, uh, talking about up, up to two hours. Um, but yeah, this is really a unique uh, product. There's nothing else uh, like it that uh, anyone else has announced. Uh, any idea on the timing when this is likely to, uh, to come to market? Um, no indication currently, and I think what's so crazy about this, everybody thinks tablets are great because they're smaller but we just kind of changed the market because now bigger tablets are better <laughs> so do you expect these to be used on a fixed server surface like on a desk and so on how do you expect them to be uh to be utilized you know uh, you know graphic you know artists you know have the ability to work with these you know products and just the large screen and the incredible resolution is a perfect match for that but also professionals like architects where they're looking at large scale drawings but then they need to look at it up close and personal mm. you know you can blow it up on that you know high you know ultra hd screen and you know the finest you know pin mark and, and detail and lettering you know just stands out just amazingly Excellent. Well, there's uh, there's quite a few other uh, products that uh, the Panasonic is showing here at uh, CS. Uh, what's uh, what's next on the list, Greg? Well, I think we're going to go over and look at our Action Sports, you know, wearable camcorder. Okay, great. Now, uh, obviously, Panasonic's been uh, been in the the um, uh, professional camera area for a very long time um, where where does this new action camera sort of fit uh, in terms of uh, your, your your products I guess you've got a range of sort of consumer products right up to those uh, those professional products where do you see uh, this one getting utilized well we look at this one more in the consumer you know end of things this is one of those type of devices that uh, people that are into sports you know whether it's you know biking motorbiking, Maybe it's uh, rafting, maybe it's skydiving. If you're an action junkie or a sports junkie, this might be the right device for you. Because what you can see here is that unlike some of the competitive cameras that are you know, designed for this type of application, the lens and the pickup system is actually very small, so it's very lightweight. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've looked at a range of these products across CES. Uh, a GoPro, which, which a lot of people know, definitely is a lot better. Uh, uh, bigger um, so you've taken a different approach which is a much smaller sort of camera and, and lens element uh, and then you've got that wired back to uh, um, you know a control mechanism that could be you know worn on the arm or uh, or or elsewhere um, yeah it seems like a, a useful approach particularly if you're uh, wanting to mount it on your on your head as people often do with extreme sports and you know some of the things that we uh, do jumping off bridges and the like in New Zealand um, and uh, you know Cycling and 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 so on. Uh, you know, it's probably best not to have too many big obstructions uh, hanging off your helmet. So, uh, yeah, seems like a good idea. What are the other benefits of, of having that uh, separate control uh, mechanism, Greg? Well, the nice thing is that the separate control can you know be mounted on maybe your arm, and in the middle of you know riding down the road, you don't have to turn the camera on ahead of time to start shooting. You can wait until the right moment, then press record, get the footage you want, and then press stop and uh, basically save yourself you know time in editing and you know save yourself uh, more space on the card so you can get more shots in 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it seems, seems like uh, like a like a good good approach. Um, so yeah, you've got um, also an ability with this understand to um, as well as doing your full HD recording um, to actually do uh, live streaming uh, in real time through uh, through UStream. That's that sounds quite like a, quite an interesting capability. Yeah, it really is. I mean, think about it. You could be you know running a marathon and carrying a you know a Wi-Fi hotspot. And uh, as you're running the marathon, your family could keep up with your progress, you know, by you wearing this camera and being, you know, carrying that Wi-Fi hotspot along the route with you. Sure. And I'm sure broadcasters will come up with their own uh, uses of, of these things, too, uh, as we're seeing, you know, more, more and more the, uh, you know, consumer products are sort of bleeding in and, and uh, you know, finding uh, professional uses. Exactly. Okay, well, that's great. So that's the wearable camera uh, HX-A100. Now, this one hasn't launched yet, but it's not too, uh, not too far off. We're certainly expecting that one uh, in 2013. Yes, absolutely. It's definitely a product we're expecting to see here in the not-too-distant future. Uh, we're hearing around $400. Okay, great. Now, um, you've also got uh, on, d- on display um, a prototype of uh, one of your new 4K uh, video cameras. So that's the ultra-high definition, uh, obviously, to, uh, to line up with the new ultra-high definition uh, uh, TVs. Uh, what's, what's this one we're, we're looking at, at here? It seems like it's sort of a, a higher end at the sort of, uh, you know, in between the, the consumer and, and uh, professional sort of end, end of the market. Yeah, this Panasonic prototype type 4k high resolution uh, camcorder is definitely going to fit in between the the high-end you know full professional and the consumer end of things uh, right now it's just kind of a prototype design study for the show but we wanted to show that we had the capability of you know accomplishing this and what we also are trying to show is that we're running the live video through a 20 inch you know, ultra high D. I'm sorry, ultra high definition monitor, which matches up with the same panel size that we're using on the tablet, and also showing it on a 47 inch or 4K content on an upcoming uh, 47 inch uh, IPS alpha LCD panel that can support Ultra HD as well. Right, so you can stream uh, stream live straight out of the camera, uh, in this case using the um, the HDMI uh, connection. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's great. Now, uh, moving moving along, uh, there, there really is a lot uh, a lot here on the uh, on the Panasonic stand, and uh, you know, being a CES, it's uh, certainly focused around your consumer uh, products. So, uh, I guess it would be even bigger if uh, all of your broadcast systems were uh, were here as well. Now, we're just uh, ducking past uh, some of your new uh, uh, projectors, which we will be looking at on the uh, on the NZ Tech podcast uh, in the coming weeks, especially the new. Uh, LED projectors, um, but let, let's have a little bit of a look at uh, at what Samsung's been up to uh, as far as uh, uh, smart television uh, capabilities. Um, well, at Panasonic, what we're doing with you know smart television is really kind of personally personalizing the user interface. Uh, one of the things that we've done this year is knowing that most of the consumers out there are buying these connected, you know, smart TVs, but yep. only a very small percentage of those people are connecting them up. Yep. So yep. we've come up with this new My Home screen. And yep. what this is, is it's a screen that allows you to put not only the TV up on the screen, but also have, you know, links or widgets or app access where I could have a quick access to YouTube, Skype, maybe I want a clock on there, maybe I want to see, you know, tweets, you know, from my friends on tweet, uh, Twitter. 
Uh, and the nice thing is that it is customizable. So I can have you know multiple customizations, and they're all personalized to the you know, to the people in the house. Yeah, yeah. Then on top of that, we're using this new voice interaction, where I could lift up the this remote that we have here in front of us, say my home screen. It then turns on a you know communication camera, looks at me and says, "Oh, that's Greg." And then it goes to my personalized home screen, and you can do that for up to 20 people, and it'll recognize up to five people simultaneously. Right, so you've got a few people uh, you know, sit, sitting down in front of the TV. It's going to recognize all of them, and then you can pick you know, which person's uh, profile is going to, uh, is going to be the current, yeah, currently active one. Exactly. It, should, it better be mine. It needs to be my profile. <laughs> How do you gain its attention and make sure it is you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, uh, no, that, that looks cool. So whole range of applications. Uh, you know, available there. Uh, I know in, in New Zealand, uh, you know, we've just had, uh, um, I think it's a Trade Me app that's uh, just launched, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, Skype, a lot of social media applications, and those are able to sort of sit uh, around the, uh, the the TV that you're uh, you're watching. And uh, inbuilt browser, what sort of capabilities have we got there? Well, what we also have is, uh, of course, we run Netflix, but we have the ability to do social networking TV, where right. I can be watching TV yep. and then watching the uh, posts and tweets. I can access YouTube. Uh, we have media players, so we can play all your favorite you know, uh, photos and music and videos. And the TV also works as a DLNA server, so we can reach out and receive information from other devices. Uh, one being this new Viera Remote App version 2.0 that we're inter- going to be introducing in February with the release of the product. Right. I can take images that are on my tablet, highlight them, and then so I press and then flicking the image toward the screen can send that image from the tablet to the screen. Okay, okay. Oh, that's, that's cool capability. Now, um, is, is, is Wi-Dye Intel Wireless Display going to be one of the, one of the features uh, coming to, uh, to, to Panasonic anytime soon, or is that sort of maybe further down the track, or are you looking at other technologies as, as far as that sort of you know, PC connectivity? Right. At this point, we're not so looking at supporting that most likely this year, but yep. we're always open to new opportunities and you know, new things. So uh, if not this year, then maybe next. Okay, okay. And uh, now, the, now the tie-in back to uh, you know, uh, smartphones and tablets, what, uh, what platforms are you supporting at the moment? We'll support the, the major ones, so uh, Android devices and Apple devices Okay, for tablets and, of course, smartphones. Okay, okay. Uh, that's, that's good. Um, and anything else sort of that's, that's, uh, that's, that's new uh, this year in terms of those, uh, those smart capabilities? Certainly looks pretty good. Um, I could certainly, uh, you know, see that, uh, you know, the, what, what you're launching this year is certainly a, a step ahead of what we've seen uh, uh, in the past. Um, yeah, anything, anything else to mention? Yeah, one thing that's really neat is we have this second screen function where I can be operating the TV in the background or changing the parameters. Right. So this is something that drives my wife crazy today <laughs> because, you know, if I'm watching a program, it doesn't look like it has enough color or the people are slightly tinted the wrong direction. I can't help but pick up the remote and make the small adjustment. Yeah. But with the second screen app, I can pull up the TV parameters and make, you know, very minor or major adjustments on the screen 
without ever having to interrupt her program. Right, and without anything, in- without big lines appearing on the screen to indicate all those changes that you're trying to make with the remote. Yeah, so if I can do yeah. it from a, you know, stealthily and sneak yeah. that in there, yeah, I can make yeah. those little adjustments and I'm happy and she's even happier because I'm not messing up or covering up the TV while she's trying to watch it with the menus. Oh, that's cool. And uh, the, these new models, the Wi-Fi is sort of coming at, coming as standard across the, uh, um, the, the, the smart TV range now? Yes, all of our smart TVs this year will have Wi-Fi built into them, so no additional you know, accessory or dongles that have to be added. Those days are gone. Thank goodness. Excellent. Excellent. That's good. And uh, cameras, what, uh, you know, is there sort of a level where they include, a, you know, the TVs will include a camera, other ones they're still a, still an add-on still an add-on option? Uh, in the lineup, you're looking at one of the top two model series in both LED and plasma will have the camera built in, but we also offer a, an accessory camera to put on any of the TVs that will have smart television functions. Okay, okay. Oh, that's great. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time, Greg. Good to uh, good to see what Panasonic's up to, and we certainly look forward to what's ahead in, in 2014. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. We appreciate you coming by the booth and look forward to seeing you next year. Okay, well, that was Greg Lee from Panasonic. And in a strange coincidence, next up, I speak with Gregory Lee, not from Panasonic. This is Gregory Lee, who is the CEO and president of Samsung Asia. Now, this is a fascinating roundtable discussion uh, where I join some other media from around the region. Uh, We're talking a little bit about Samsung, where they're going and where they've been. And uh, also... uh, (laughs) A bit of a humorous moment as uh, as Gregory uh, looks at my uh, recording device and compares it with something uh, from the Men in Black movie series. All right, let's jump in. Gregory, could could you talk us through a little bit about what's what's the evolution that Samsung have been on over the last uh, ten years that you've been with the company? That's a that's a great question. In two thousand and four, we were not number one. We were number two, actually very close to number three. But we have uh, developed a strategy to become number one in the world, which in the past we really struggled to do. But from that point on, we really have taken some strong initiatives to become number one. What what, what were those? We focused on really the main consumer benefits, like they love design. Consumers love design. And things change a little bit, but at that time, TVs were getting very big and having an ugly looking TV in your living room and but promise of high technology inside the TV wasn't as appealing to the consumer so we really focused on that design the other thing that we really focused on was that when we put our TVs on the table and covered the brand name our our TVs the when they saw when you revealed the brand our TVs would get a lower price sort of perception. So we really focus on building our brand and, you know, premium image, you know, being first out with new technology and all that. So improvement of the brand has really created this this, this um, much better uh, premium product pricing. So we really focused on, on that. Um, a third, the third thing that we have really done is... Um, the way we, because of the way we uh, to display the product, we have really focused on the experience of how y- you, you experience the product, especially with new technologies like smart TV. So when we do the smart TV, 
how you experience the product, uh, 3D TV, etc. So we've improved the experience. So that, that, that whole thing boosted the premiumness of it and so forth. So those kinds of things and really executing those things well have helped us become number one. We've been number one now for since 2005, six maybe. And the, and yes, the in the last space. seven years. Yep. Yes. And we haven't given up that space. And how do you think that you know, you've also risen through and with smartphones and, and other areas, how's that going to flow on to the rest of the business as time goes? With, with smartphones? Oh, yes. Um, how will that, with your leadership with smartphones and, and with televisions, how will that have a broader impact on the overall Samsung business? Well, the, the smartphones is really, the smartphones is a revolution in terms of consumer trend. The mobile internet, the connected mobile device, where you have access to all the information that you want, is an idea that consumers really are latching on to globally. Emerging markets, advanced markets, it's going to fivefold in terms of the size of that, that industry. So um, that is bringing about also a revolution in smart devices. It's forcing all devices, machine-to-machine connection. So TV is going to be connected to the phone and with so much content that's available, you're going to w- want to see some content on TV and some content on mobile. It's, it's much to people's surprise how much people are willing to see content on mobile, but it's happening. And, but the, the TVs are the same. No, no PC the same. Eventually, you want to get to your content, and you don't really care how you get there. right? So there's, a, there's really a revolution in that space on the TVs which is what this consumer electronics show is all about you want this is what they call a right lean back beautiful slower right theater entertainment that kind of which is a little different than lean forward in the bus in the in the car you know it has its place yes so we are Samsung is really perfectly positioned to take advantage of that whole trend better than any company in the world and how soon to all of your other uh Devices sort of all tie in together for when you know you're showing off the, the new robotic vacuum cleaner that can you know get into the corners and so on. When are we going to see that and your fridge and all the elements sort of start uh, communicating? So on my smartphone, I'll get a message to say uh, vacuum cleaner's full; it needs emptying. Uh, you know, my, the wa- the washing's done; uh, it, it's ready. Uh, you know, those sorts of things. And how far away is the? Um, and I'm not sure if this is an area that Samsung's been involved in, but Robotics, and uh, you know, if we, we 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 look back to what people were predicting forty or fifty years ago, was that we, you know, in the two thousands, we'd have robots running around uh, doing things. Is that in Samsung's future? I think. Let me tackle the first part of the question without the ro- robots. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that you know, you 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 have kids, and you know, they're young people. You have young people who. <laughs> Who, right, who are connected all the time, right? You have thousands of friends, social media, and they're living like when I was going to secondary school, I never had those devices. They're, they're living like this is normal. Right? They have more friends online than they do offline, you know. So it's a totally new world. And we will get, I think, in the next two, three years, 
as long as five years, what you're talking about, you know, all these connections at home with machines and washing machines saying that I'm finished. I, you know, you want to you wanna run another cycle, you just push the button. I think that's going to be a no-brainer. I think that's, right, and everybody's going to think, huh, I, I wonder why anybody would go down and push the button yourself or, right? Because you remember analog cameras? That was like, right? No more di- no more analog cameras, no more film. There's going to be no more books. You know, there's only going to be electronic books. Why cut down trees? You know, why, why would you want to, you know, have to put soap yourself and all that? That's not going to be around forever. I think that's all going to happen, you know? Um, and that's within, I think, three to five years at the longest. We're, we're already starting on that revolution. So I think that's that's very exciting. That's a benefit that we can all have as a, as a result of technology. Yeah, in New Zealand, you you know, you if you're very far away, right? You could be on South Island, and you can right, you can just you know push buttons and get your North <laughs> Island North Island washing machine loaded, and that, that'd be that'd be perfect, right? Yeah. We, we have the Wi-Fi icon, which is already in Australia. Yeah, so I think things, uh, our devices are getting there. Yes. And with these devices, you know, some is, you start slow, but then it starts accelerating. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, we, I mean, we've noticed that you know, there are individual vendors, in particular um, spaces that are, that are, you know, innovating. Um, but, you know, one of the unique things about Samsung is that you have products in so many categories. Yes. So it puts you in a, in a unique position, uh, you know, I guess, to, to, to lead with, with some of these things, with integrating uh, a broader range of products together. Yes. Well, robotics, we, we are currently not in robotics. We use robots in our factories, we, but we don't produce robots. And I don't think anybody today are mass-producing robots. We're kind of a mass-production company, mass-producing produ- robots to sell for the house. If it, if it starts to become a trend, you know, Samsung always looks at trends and, and will be probably be interested i can't tell you at this moment in time but that's a very interesting interesting question so anything else that's, that's further out that you can yeah this that, one that you can share this, i see this this device in men in men in men in black you know where you see it okay i'm gonna do this which button this after this interview i'm gonna zap all of you and you will forget this, this that you've ever saw me you know? remember that men in black thing that's the strangest device i have ever seen the double double mic Microphone thing. What? Who? Zoom brand, huh? H1 handy recorder. Wow, a lot of buttons. The neuralizer. The neuralizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. But is there, is there anything else? You know, obviously, you know, robotics isn't something. It, but are there any other things that you that you know medical devices from from, from your role you can t- talk about that where you see what that might be coming in the future, but medical not in terms of announced products. Yeah. Medical devices. Medical devices, you see mobile, mobile device, connected devices really moving to medical devices where, you know, there's going to be a, a tremendous amount of revolution in medical. For example, I've heard that, the, that and you can provide, she can provide, uh, you know, Jolene can provide the, the detailed information that 80% of x-ray machines are analog. Just think about that. You know, carrying, rolling the x-rays, you know, how good is that? You know, you can just send your picture straight to your doctor, you know, wherever they are, right? Just one example of how just waiting for new technology to, to, to change the industry.
So, good example. Another one is enterprise. So, bring your own device to to work is really a, a, a trend, and that is going to become a reality. You know, I've heard even numbers like 80% of devices brought to work is going to be bring your own device. When that happens, we're in a perfect position to to allow that to to happen. Yeah, so. Um, we can bring security, like we have this program called SAFE, where for SAFE for enterprises. So even though you have bring your own devices, you can use it at work. That it be very, will give you secure in- environment for data and information. So that's something that we are very interested in, enterprises. Well, that's just about it for our coverage of CES 2013. Now we jump into our final part, which is an interview with Microsoft's Rob Greenlee. Now, he was at CES, but also at the concurrent event held in Vegas, the New Media Expo. I'm with Rob Greenlee right now. Now, Rob, you've been at uh, the New Media Expo as well as the Consumer Electronics Show uh, in, in Las Vegas. Uh, tell us a little bit about your role. You're based, uh, you're based out of Microsoft. Uh, tell us where you fit in there. Well, I've been actually working at uh, Microsoft since about 2007 and running the content area for the Windows Phone and Zoom podcast marketplace um, on those devices for, for many years. And it's great to be on your show, Paul. It's great to great call to have, in. Great to have yeah. you. Now you've got quite a background in the, in the podcasting world. You've been uh, uh, you've been involved really since the uh, since the very early days. That's true. Back in September fifteenth of two thousand four is when I I launched my own podcast or official podcast. I was actually doing a broadcast uh, radio show since nineteen ninety nine, and and so I just it was really easy for me to just launch a podcast. So I was I was a very early podcaster. It was really simple for me. I just had to add an enclosure tag to my current blog RSS feed, and pow, I was a podcaster. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's great. Well, I think it was pretty groundbreaking at the time because I don't think there was anybody else that was, was doing that with radio. So uh, um, an honor to have you on the show. Now, um, tell us a little bit about the new media expo. It's not something we've talked about uh, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, but this was a big event as far as the um, online and, and electronic media world is concerned that was taking place alongside or it started slightly before, uh, I guess, CES in, in Vegas. So finished up now, but, but tell us sort of what the highlights were and, and what the new Media Expo is all about. Well, it was really a kind of a new version of uh, that that particular event. Actually, uh, in the last few years, it's been um, Blog World is what the name of that event was. That's and right. Here this past year, they, they changed the name to New Media Expo to be a little more kind of Kind of more inclusive of all all of the different online media types, from web TV to podcasting to blogging. So changing it to New Media Expo, which is really kind of a retro thing, because um, the the podcast um, had the the podcast side had their own expo back in the early days of podcasting, and it was called the Podcast Expo or the New Media Expo at the time. This was like back in 2004, 2000, or actually 2006 and seven. Uh, and then Blog World and New Media Expo merged together, and they they dropped the New Media Expo podcast expo name, and it became Blog World. Right. So the kind of podcasting thing kind of got absorbed, but it didn't get any kind of highlight or presentation um, as being an important. Um, expo or convention or conference for podcasting. So, so it created kind of this polarizing effect that happened to, to, to make the event 
really lean more towards bloggers. And so that's that's what the focus of the event really was. And so over this past year, they've decided to be more inclusive and, and try and try and reach and attract people from the, you know, the YouTube side of things and the, the and the blogging and uh, podcasting and kind of make it a more inclusive event. And that's that's what we saw it happen in Las Vegas this year. And I think it was a great success. I think they had um, you know, a few thousand people come come to the event, um, podcasters, bloggers, and um, web TV creators. Uh, and there was a lot of lot of discussion about, you know, the future of podcasting and the future of of all these mediums. And I think the the consensus coming out of it was is that you know it's only the upside is before us, and in the you know in the future it's going to continue to grow and. I think that there's some core issues that are that are happening, and certainly the name blogging and podcasting um, are starting to feel a little old school now. And it's kind of a so it's a little bit of a stretch for me as I think back on it, you know, to call podcasting kind of old school. But it has been around for eight years now. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been been, so been it some is, time for sure. Yeah, so so in some ways it is kind of funny to think about it that way. I mean, so how long does do these online media's um, gonna gonna maintain this new media? Um, you know, title, but you know, it's kind of kind of splitting hairs. I guess it's 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 new new media in the scheme of things, but it's uh, it's certainly becoming more mainstream than uh, than you know each day that goes by. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess the new media title isn't one that we hear uh, that we hear so often here uh, here in, in New Zealand, anyway. Uh, but you know, it, it's certainly still around, and it is hard to find terms that actually encompass uh, yeah. you know all of these things. You know, there's the, you know the digital is is off, often used to, to to encompass a lot of these elements, and uh, yeah. but yeah, it's it's hard to really uh, you know lump them all together and give one uh, really really good description. Uh, now, in, in terms of the, the content at at, uh, at New Media Expo, and we'll talk about this a little bit before we dive on to uh, uh, to CES and a bit of a wrap up on CES. Um, any sort of particular highlights that uh, you know that, that stood out f- for you? For instance, uh, you know the keynote. Did you find some interesting uh, some interesting things uh, in there from uh, from Leo Laporte of Twit? Yeah, I think he gave some good. Perspectives on kind of where he's come, uh, and then the success that he's had with the Twit Network, um, and kind of the the amazing revenue numbers that he's been able to create through his network. Though I, Leo's kind of really an example of someone that, that that came from kind of more what I would consider mainstream media, uh, who had a following going going back in the you know during during the dot com days and. And so, I mean, he oftentimes can be a really good example and, and someone to kind of um, look to as a bellwether of this area. But in some ways, um, I, I tend to look at other folks, too, that maybe are, are, are more, more what I would call a kind of original um, kind of that started in this, this, in the, this in new medium versus... Sure. A, a celebrity that maybe had great success you know, on the cable television side or on the network TV side that makes it big in podcasting. Um, so I think that you know that's the interesting thing about about Leo is that he's been able to build a big business, but he's also been doing his nationally syndicated radio show on you know a couple hundred radio stations for the last 15 years. So he's he's built quite a quite a following, and I I can understand what he's done. I mean, back in the early days of my own. Uh, uh, a web talk world radio show um, that I did, 
I had I had my show on about 15 broadcast radio stations on the XM satellite radio network and and was doing a lot of streaming and things like that. So I can see where that power of multimediums um, can can bring success to the online world because it is really really important to to be able to reach out to the real world where a lot of people are that maybe aren't as connected to this stuff as us technologists um, are that really follow this stuff. I mean, how do we attract um, new people to online media um, that are currently only consuming the broadcast stuff? And I think it's a little bit of a generational thing, but but I think it's a it's an interesting thing that I, I, I gathered from his talk is, is that he, he really expressed, and I think this is fairly common in the podcasting area, is that podcasting is different than big media, and it's, it's because it's more uh, personal, it makes a, a stronger connection with the audience that uh, consumes that, that content, and I think it's, it's a huge opportunity for advertisers and a huge opportunity for listeners and audience members to connect at a different level with the different media that uh, that's in their world, and I think it's it's really indicative of I think a, a long term change that's that's happening where where this this online medium becomes more personal, and I think we need to have more of a way for the audience to to participate, and I think that's a key to the future, and I think that that was also a big piece of the what came out of the New Media Expo too was was the 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 ability to to make connections with audience at a deeper level. Yeah, yeah, I caught I caught some of that as well. And uh, most, I you know, I didn't actually uh, get there uh, in in person. I was fairly busy with uh, with CES. I'm not quite sure how you managed to cover off uh, both events, but I did, I did catch some of the uh, I did catch some of the video afterwards. And uh, yeah, it was good to be able to uh, you know to catch up on the event. And I guess you know it's just a reflection of the uh, you know the world that we're in that we can go to a conference without going to a conference. That uh, was yeah. that, that was pretty helpful. Help for me anyway uh, to be able to do that uh, do that after the fact um, yeah, yeah I mean it's a huge I mean if you think about both of those events there's huge events I mean there's big parts of CES that I didn't make it to uh, and there's big parts of the New Media Expo I didn't make it to so you know you kind of to live in both worlds you kind of have to give up some things on both sides I mean I would have loved to have just focused on one event but but um, you know, I was pretty beat up toward the end of it. <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of people getting sick, and um, anyway, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, that that seems to be the norm. It's just such a bit, such a big week. So, uh, so look, looking at uh, looking at CES now, what sort of really jumped out to you as sort of the highlights? And you know, were there any particular sort of trends? Anything that really uh, you know stood out to you about CES this year? Uh, you know, f- f- I guess you know one of the big things was that Microsoft you know wasn't there in, in, in terms of you know with their own stand and any sort of official uh, yeah. capacity and and no Microsoft uh, keynote. Uh, so you know, I guess as a, as someone from Microsoft, that's something you would have noticed. Um, but you know, Steve Barmer still managed to um, you know. End up in the keynote, and uh, you know yeah. there are plenty of Microsoft uh, products around. But um, yeah, what what were your sort of perceptions from uh, from CES this year? Well, I think it was really uh, it was really fascinating. I think the the whole TV side of it, which I would say really stood out for me um, as really fascinating, because you know I know last year I didn't go to last year's CES, but um, I know last year was all about 3D TVs and things like that, and this year it was uh, more about Ultra HD, 
uh, and 4K TVs. And I, I see that as a, as a more significant trend than 3D. I think it, it's always felt, you know, and I felt this way the last couple of years at CES, you know, as these TV manufacturers are running, you know, coming out with these new TVs uh, with 3D that was kind of a gimmick, right? And, I mean, most people don't like to wear, you know, special glasses, and it just seemed kind of, kind of a hokey thing, and it really didn't look that great. Um, and so, but I think that the the change with 4K and Ultra HD, I think, is a is a trend that really has legs. I mean, I think it's it's. Uh, I mean, if you saw some of those screens in person down there, I think you would totally understand what I'm saying. That they're, yeah, they they were, they were, they were really they were pretty cool. I mean, I even had a look at the uh, you know the 8K one. I think it was uh, Sharp that was uh, you know yeah. showing off that one, and you know that's 16 times the definition of a uh, you know of an HD yeah. uh, you know full HD TV that we have uh, yeah. have, have today. Uh, you know, phenomenal level of clarity. Now, um, w- with my eyesight, that's you know that's just quite, you know <laughs> way, way too much data unless you know unless you're up pretty close. Uh, that said, I like really, really big screens and uh, not sitting yeah. a million miles back from them. So, uh, uh, right. yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely some good opportunities there. And, you know, you can see where the, uh, where the consumer electronics manufacturers, uh, you know, are, are coming from. You know, they want to have a piece of this revenue uh, like what we're seeing in the smartphone space where, uh, where people are rolling over, you know, their devices every 12 to 24 months to, uh, to get the latest and greatest new features. Features and you know, I guess if the TV manufacturers can uh, can come up with an excuse for us to uh, you know dump our old TV or relegate it to another room and to uh, and to buy the latest and greatest uh, with all you know smart TV features and high definition, whatever the um, you know the, the new flavor of the month is, then uh, that yeah. certainly helps their uh, their business model to work and uh, you know will keep their shareholders happy. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought that one one part of it that was really interesting because I actually talked talked with a couple people at a couple, you know, at the Samsung booth and things like that, and the the whole upscaling technology they've been working on as well. So as you think about content for these screens, I know one of the big questions that comes up is, um, 4K is great, but you know who's making 4K content and how's that going to impact the the web, right? And how we consume um, online and web content. And one of the things that that came out of it that I'm not sure it was discussed quite as much was the fact that a lot of these TV manufacturers have been really investing in um, putting in codecs that will upscale to 4K. So if you have a 1080p Blu-ray video or uh, you know, a, you know, a DVD or something like that or a, a true HD stream, that the TV will upscale it to 4K and actually make it look even better. Um, and, and so it's going to be backwards compatible, I guess essentially is what they're saying, to you know, existing video formats. So as you think about that, I mean, because these processors are so good and the screens are so sharp and so clear. Yeah, it requires that, uh, a lot of computing power, doesn't it, to, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, to do that because you're dealing with just such, you know, such huge amounts of uh, of information. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that our, uh, you know, that our, our still digital cameras were only, you know, one or two or three or, you know, five megapixels. And, you know, now we're seeing, uh, uh, you know, TV screens that are going, uh, you know, well beyond that. Yeah. And then also, you know, if I also think about what other things really, really stood out down there, I, I think uh, I think we're moving into an age of uh, being more contextual um, and um, having sensors um, 
you know, that are part of our lives on our phones and our computers and on our bodies and, and things like that, um, that will create opportunities for us to do, you know, kind of this augmented reality and also to help, uh, help us solve problems in our lives in the real world based on our, our patterns of activity. And, you know, I mean, these things are raising all sorts of privacy issues and concerns too, but they're, but they're really at a fundamental level. And this is the big trend that I think we're, we're starting to see. Um, is is you know these devices are going to start solving some of our life's struggles right to help us um, more easily navigate our lives and but that like, like I said that that does open up some privacy issues because you have to be willing to share that sensor data um, to to some service or software or through your device or whatever to get that benefit right so I think we're we're coming into that and that was kind of a big trend too and I saw a lot of smaller Hardware companies, um, which, you know, you start thinking about Kickstarter and you're thinking about um, the trend that we're seeing around um, smaller companies getting involved in making um, kind of advanced, kind of very specific use uh, hardware. And I think that was a big trend that came out of there, too. There's a lot of smaller companies that were, you know, like the Pebble Watch is a good example and, and this whole wearable computing trend and then also tech and, and cars and yeah. is that sort of, in, of interest to you the wearable computing is the pebble watch something that you would use i i think so i it, it feels a little early uh for that device for me to really see a, a a real benefit for it but but i think what what the uber trend that we're seeing is is that that direction and as you think about you know the google glasses and you think about um ski goggles that are going to have you know um, video cameras and heads up displays inside of them to help skiers navigate the ski slopes and i mean you can see this this kind of this new world coming that is possible that these glasses can help you drive your car better maybe they're they can help you find things in life easier um I don't know. I think we're coming into a time where technology can can help us uh, more than kind of just be a nuisance right now, I think, for a lot of people in the world right now. Yeah, I I mean, it it is fascinating where where it's all going to go. And, uh, you know, I remember the the term, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, have you got eyes on the back of your head? And I don't know if you get that one that would come up. Exactly. How did you know that? Have you got eyes in the back of your head? Well, yeah, exactly. That, that, that sort of thing's actually quite possible now. No, I think it is. Yeah, there are all these sort of scenarios that are coming up that are um, just going to going to sort of, I guess, change the shape of 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 how we live. And you know it's going to be you know hard to uh, yeah hard to imagine all the sort of possibilities, but uh, yeah you know there, there certainly are some sort of serious implications as far as privacy uh, goes. You know you walk in front of a computer and you know there's a webcam you know potentially running. Uh, you know there's certainly been you know a lot of situations, uh, some of which have been in the media recently around people whose you know computers have been hacked and there's been people you know watching and and, and recording what goes on in bedrooms and. And, and various you know parts of the home where, where you know uh, laptops are sitting. Uh, we've also got all these little micro cameras. I mean, they're they're, they're so incredibly cheap. You you know you could have cameras built into your clothes, into your hat, into you know just about anything. And then uh, you know I guess we're we're starting to see uh, yeah new ways of actually 
receiving and, and uh, you know, viewing, uh, uh, you know, this video content with the likes of Google Glass and, you know, I'm sure Microsoft and, and Apple and others have, have got various uh, initiatives in that space as well. Uh, there was another another one that, that showed it. CS, did you see the company that was showing off uh, um, a sort of a heads-up display type um, uh, thing at, at CES? No, actually, I, I didn't actually go go to any booths that actually had... Oh, I think I did see... Oh, yeah, it was um, Oculus, I think, was the thing that, that really jumped out at me. I don't mm. know if you saw that or not. It was like a virtual reality um, gaming kind of uh, goggles okay, kind of thing. Okay, okay. Where no, it created this yeah. kind of stereoscopic, stereoscopic um, view of gameplay. So it was almost like a, a glasses that you can put on that creates a virtual reality experience for you, right? So you can navigate this this world, um, you know, like a you know like a Halo game or something like that, or it could be a, a you know a real world three dimensional world that you could walk down the street or something like that. You, you just put these things on and it creates this virtual world. That, Put you right into the matrix, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I so. did see one, uh, yeah, virtual reality setup which uh, was was some sort of 3D glasses. I think uh, looking into a, a laptop screen, and yep. then it had a, and then there was a piece, and you could control your positioning and 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 do things within that uh, uh, 3D world. That was quite interesting. Uh, that was something that was at the startup um, debut event, and we we uh, we had a bit of a chat with them in one of our earlier podcasts. So, yeah. I mean, there are so many of these these things coming coming through. It's hard to know which ones of them are actually going to you know land as as yeah. successful uh, you know products. And uh, you know, I guess it's not necessarily whether the the idea is uh, is brilliant or genius. It's sort of a combination of how well they market it and how well they fund it, and you know, and yeah. and, and so on, and whether a big company sort of acquires them. Uh, but there are certainly some uh, some fun things going on in in that space. Uh, uh, you know, along with the um, uh, the scary and the obscure things that are going on as well, right? Yeah, and and one thing I just uh, pre-ordered yesterday was a, a a motion sensor called Leap Motion Controller. I don't know if you're, yeah, you're familiar with I, this, but yeah, it, it, I didn't actually get a chance to have a have a look at it at CES. I know it's it's been uh, you know it was first sort of uh, touted probably uh, you know a year a year or so back. Uh, yeah. Now now this is sort of in some ways like. Uh, Microsoft's Kinect uh, type technology, uh, yeah. but it works in a much sort of smaller space. Sort of, for instance, uh, I think you put the sensor just under your monitor, and you can wave your hands Correct. around just uh, you know just in front of your monitor. Is that right? Yep, that's exactly right. And it actually, it actually is solving a, a problem that I have here, where I I upgraded to Windows 8 on my desktop, right? And I have a big monitor. I got a 24-inch flat-screen LCD monitor. Uh, that's not touch enabled. So how do I take advantage of all of the great features that are available around touch and and motion and things like that that are part of the the Windows 8, the kind of the new UI on Windows 8. And uh, this device, it's like $69, and you you plug it into a USB port and it has its own software, and it basically um, mimics a touch screen on your on your flat screen monitor. And, and so you don't even have to touch the screen to to take action and have it do things, which also um, doesn't create fingerprints on your monitor either. So, which is another advantage. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. So, have you had a play with one of these? Um, you know, in- I've only seen it. I've only seen it in 
in videos on online. So if you want to go check this out, just go to Leap Motion Controller, you know, in a search engine, or whatever. And I'm sure you can find a a video that actually is a demo. I think The Verge had a had a complete uh, review of it. Um, but it's it it actually looks like fairly simple technology. It's like two, I think it's two. Um, Vision cameras pointed up in the air, straight up in the air into the, the the area that your screen would be in, and it basically captures your finger motions, uh, and, and then translates that into you know being able to move your cursor around, be able to do uh, to be able to write on the screen just with your index finger, or uh, or to make large gestures with your palm or whatever to to swipe in different applications or to. Uh, scroll up and down in a web page. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. I think it's still on pre-order, isn't it? They haven't. Yes, um, it is. They yeah. haven't confirmed exactly when they'll ship, or have they announced a ship date? Uh, um, I I I heard that it would be. It's going to be sometime in February here. Okay. So okay. it's coming. It's coming in the next few weeks, from what I've gathered, and they're they're at full production capacity right now. So they're planning on shipping uh, millions of these things. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, uh, we'll certainly be looking at that once uh, once we can get our hands on it. So uh, um, yeah, good to get a little bit of a heads up on that. I know one of our uh, uh, one of our listeners, Craig Harris, has been uh, has been uh, pushing us to uh, to get hands on with that one. Uh, I just didn't get a chance. To, to see it at uh, at, at CES, uh, but it does uh, seem like one of the more interesting uh, products, particularly coming through at that sort of price point. That, that makes it uh, makes it quite an affordable, uh, you know, a, a addition to uh, you know to any sort of monitor and, and yeah, PC I mean, setup. There's a lot of people that would probably upgrade, be more likely to upgrade to Windows 8 if they realize that they could convert their existing screen to be more of a touch experience. So, do you think uh, that's the sort of thing Microsoft would uh, would move into as different uh, variations on the the Connect technology that they have today to you know work in that sort of uh, closer proximity and and other situations that a fairly sort of uh, you know natural sort of extension uh, for them, or do you think uh, well, you know something like Leap Motion will uh, you know will become the 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 product that ends up uh, taking that type of um, uh, you know, control to the to the mainstream because I, you know, I guess realistically the uh, the connect uh, sensor that's that's you know ships with the with the Xbox, uh, you know, reach, has reached a certain audience. Uh, you know, I think they're probably up in the sort of you know over 10 million sort of um, uh, you know devices shipped, but you know sure. it's not really the sort of the mainstream thing that people are people are attaching to their computers and and have built into their laptops or anything like that just yet. Yeah, it was about a it was about a year ago that the company um, came out with a developer kit um, for running Connect on, uh, on on Windows Seven. So, and I think it also worked with the, the the preview of Windows Eight. So, they have put out a version of the Connect that that will work with their regular desktop computers. So, and it does exactly that. It has you know it has a near field sensor to it that actually works you know in proximity you know like maybe a couple feet from your 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 the actual sensor itself, where the connect is like ten feet or something like that, so it's a longer range thing. And I'm, I'm sure, and I can't confirm this, but I'm sure that there's an upgrade coming here with the next version of Xbox or whatever. So I think that things are going to get better. And I mean, that's just the way technology goes. It, uh, these things evolve and get get better. Um, though it 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 looks like this leap motion thing may be a a really easy and 
um, sooner kind of solution for for a lot of people uh, facing this issue with their Windows 8 computers. Right, right, yeah. It, I mean, it, it it seems one of Microsoft's challenges now, is, as as such a big company, is um, you know, is how they sort of keep keep ahead of uh, you know of smaller companies coming in and uh, you know gazumping them in one in one space or another. Uh, you know, I can I can think of their uh, you know their their Zoom uh, music service, which was uh, you know probably one of the uh, one of the earlier you know subscription uh, music services, and then sort of uh, you know, quite some time after they had launched, Spotify came in and uh, and seemed to sort of take the market by launching on all platforms and launching in many more countries than uh, than Zoom was yeah. available. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, whether they can, uh, uh, you know, I guess keep keep up and uh, and you know sort of sort of compete with with this one, uh, you know, on a on a global global basis. So. Yeah, and I think it's. It's an interesting uh, challenge that the company has around music. I mean, they they recently rebranded um, the Zune Music service over to Xbox Music, so it's now part of the kind of the Xbox media um, kind of platform now. So, I mean, it's not a new service. It's basically taking what was built around um, Zune Music and just rebranding it, pulling it into the more of the Xbox ecosystem and and fully embracing it, and then offering some some streaming services, some free streaming services, along with the uh, you know the the subscription service that the the service has always had. So I, I think that if you look at the Xbox Music um, from a from a big picture view, they're they're trying to compete with the Spotify, and they're actually trying to do things that are actually um, go beyond what Spotify and Pandora and these these competitors are doing. Um, but a lot of those brands have have a little bit of a head start, you know, and and have more kind of global recognition for doing these kinds of things. And, yeah, which and I guess is the is the interesting is the interesting thing that they're coming from behind. Yet they were actually they were actually there first. And you know, I came across a few companies at CES that were you know like that in various markets. Uh, you know, there, there was a company that uh, you know had some video uh, cameras that sort of compete with the, the GoPro product. Uh, yep. yet these guys were around, you know, ahead of uh, ahead of GoPro, but they didn't manage to get out there and market it, and you know, tick all the same boxes. I guess that uh, uh, that the GoPro guys did, and yeah, I guess it's it's kind of strange when a when a, when a big company of uh, you know Microsoft sort of scale, uh, you know, was there first, yet uh, you know a small startup has managed to uh, uh, duck in there and actually become the uh, you know the preeminent uh, player in a in a particular space like that. Um, yeah, quite quite fascinating. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just a phenomenon that that happens. I think online, you know, from the viral nature of the online world, is that um, people like to support the underdog a little bit. And so, if you're a big company, in some ways, that puts you at a little bit of a of a um, a word of mouth disadvantage in some ways. Um, at least that's been my observation over the years. I give it. If you think about the Zune HD as a device, I think it it definitely suffered from that. I mean, if you look at if you actually held one of those devices and used one on a daily basis, you would really realize that Microsoft can really make some pretty cool hardware <laughs> um, that that really competes with anybody out there. Um, and I think it's for me that that was really a sign that the company really could produce some amazing stuff. So as you see the surface, and I think that's just the beginning of what's possible. Mm. Um, but the Zune HD really was a benchmark, I think, for for a lot of people that really followed what the company was doing, as far as saying. 
held. You know, this was a terrific um, piece of hardware, and and the engineering behind it, the the thinking behind it, uh, was just outstanding. And and you know, what what else could this company make when you start putting that kind of uh, bar on the uh, on the scale of what what could the company do if they really jumped into the hardware business? Could they directly compete with Apple and directly compete with what's going on you know around Samsung and those kind of things? And I I truly believe that they can compete there, and I think we're starting to see that with the Windows Phone eight. Yeah, yep. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, to see what else you know comes comes through the channels this year. Now, anything else uh, as we sort of wrap up on CES? Uh, anything else that uh, that stood out to you that uh, you left thinking, or oh, I need to get my hands on uh, on one of those, or, or something that's uh, sort of touted for the future that you're going to be following? I just think that uh, touch. I think in in all forms is going to be the big thing that. Um, People just need to be open to. I think a lot of folks think about their their desktops as as um, mouse and keyboards, and and I think you know a lot of the technologists want to think about this stuff, right? But as you think about mainstream users, um, I think there's some hesitation there to to think that maybe touching the screen on your laptop is is not not a good thing. Um, from my experience and people that have been exposed to it, is that once they start doing it and get used to it, it's it's a terrific experience. So okay, good, good. Well, thank yeah. you for thank you for your time, uh, Rob. That was uh, that was excellent to get uh, to get some insights from you on uh, on CES and also the uh, the new Media Expo. And uh, yeah. we'll we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right, thank you, thank you, Paul. Thank you very much for listening into this episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. You can, of course, find us online, nztechpodcast.com, on Twitter at nztechpodcast, and facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. I'm Paul Spain signing out. We'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.